Section 12 of Black Experience in America, 18th to 20th Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Plea for Industrial Opportunity by Fanny Jackson Coppin. Recording by Susan Hollingsworth. Black Experience in America, 18th to 20th Century by Various. Section 12. The great lesson to be taught by this fair is the value of cooperative effort to make our sense dollars and to show us what help there is for ourselves in ourselves. That the colored people of this country have enough money to materially alter their financial condition was clearly demonstrated by the millions of dollars deposited in the Freedmen's Bank. That they have the good sense and the unanimity to use this power are now proved by this industrial exhibition and fair. It strikes me that much of the recent talk about the exodus has proceeded upon the high-handed assumption that owing largely to the credit system of the South, the colored people there are forced to the alternative, to curse God and die, or else go west. Not a bit of it. The people of the South, it is true, cannot at this time produce hundreds of dollars, but they have millions of pennies and millions of pennies make tens of thousands of dollars. By clubbing together and lumping their pennies, a fund might be raised in the cities of the South, that the poorer classes might fall back upon while their crops are growing, or else by the opening of cooperative stores become their own creditors, and so effectually rid themselves of their merciless extortioners. Oh, they won't do anything, you can't get them united on anything, is frequently expressed. The best way for a man to prove that he can do a thing is to do it, and that is what we have shown we can do. This fair, participated in by twenty-four states in the Union, and gotten up for a purpose which is of no pecuniary benefit to those concerned in it, effectually silences all slanders about we won't or we can't do, and teaches its own instructive and greatly needed lessons of self-help, the best help that any man can have next to God's. Those in charge who have completed the arrangement of the fair have studiously avoided preceding it with noisy and demonstrative babblings, which are so often the vapid precursors of promises as empty as those who make them. Therefore, in some quarters, our fair has been overlooked. It is not, we think, a presumptuous interpretation of this great movement to say that the voice of God now seems to utter, Speak to the people that they go forward go forward in what respect? Teach the millions of poor colored laborers of the South how much power they have in themselves by cooperation of effort and by a combination of their small means to change the despairing poverty which now drives them from their homes and makes them a millstone around the neck of any community South or West. Secondly, that we shall go forward in asking to enter the same employments which other people enter. Within the past ten years we have made almost no advance in getting our youth into industrial and business occupations. It is just as hard, for instance, to get a boy into a printing office now as it was ten years ago. It is simply astonishing when we consider how many of the common vocations of life colored people are shut out of. Colored men are not admitted to the printer's trade union, nor, with very rare exceptions, are they employed in any city of the United States in a paid capacity as printers or writers, one of the rare exceptions being the employment of H. Price Williams on the Sunday press of this city. 
we are not employed as salesmen or pharmacists or saleswomen or bank clerks or merchants clerks or tradesmen or mechanics or telegraph operators or to any degree as state or government officials and i could keep on with the string of oars until tomorrow morning but the patience of an audience has its limit slavery has made us poor and its gloomy malicious shadow tends to keep us so i beg to say kind hearers that this is not spoken in a spirit of recrimination we have no quarrel with our fate and we leave your christianity to yourselves our faith is firmly fixed in that eternal providence that in its own good time will justify the ways of god to man but believing that to get the right men into the right places is a consummation most devoutly to be wished it is a matter of serious concern to us to see our youth with just as decided diversity of talent as any other people herded together into but three or four occupations it is cruel to make a teacher or a preacher of a man who ought to be a printer or a blacksmith and that is exactly the condition we are now obliged to submit to the greatest advance that has been made since the war has been effected by political parties and it is precisely the political positions that we think at least desirable our youth should fill we have our choice of the professions it is true but as we have not been endowed with an overwhelming abundance of brains it is not probable that we can contribute to the bar a great lawyer except once in a great while the same may be said of medicine nor are we able to tide over the starving time between the reception of a diploma and the time that a man's profession becomes a paying one being determined to know whether this industrial and business ostracism lay in ourselves or in our stars we have from time to time knocked shaken and kicked at these closed doors of employment a cold metallic voice from within replies we do not employ colored people ours not to make reply ours not to question why thank heaven we are not obliged to do and to die having the preference to do or die we naturally prefer to do but we cannot help wondering if some ignorant or faithless steward of god's work and god's money hasn't blundered it seems necessary that we should make known to the good men and women who are so solicitous about our souls and our minds that we haven't quite got rid of our bodies yet and until we do we must feed and clothe them and this attitude of keeping us out of work forces us back upon charity that distinguished thinker mr henry c carey in his valuable works on political economy has shown by the truthful and forceful logic of history that the elevation of all peoples to a higher moral and intellectual plane and to a fuller investiture of their civil rights has always steadily kept pace with the improvement in their physical condition therefore we feel that resolutely and in unmistakable language yet in the dignity of moderation we should strive to make known to all men the justice of our claims to the same employments as others under the same conditions we do not ask that any one of our people shall be put into a position because he is a colored person but we do most emphatically ask that he shall not be kept out of a position because he is a colored person an open field and no favors is all that is requested the time was when to put a colored girl or boy behind a counter would have been to decrease custom it would have been a tax upon the employer and a charity that we were too proud to accept but public sentiment has changed i am satisfied that the employment of a colored clerk or a colored saleswoman wouldn't even be a nine days wonder it is easy of accomplishment and yet it is not 
To thoughtless and headstrong people who meet duty with impertinent dictation, I do not now address myself. But to those who wish the most gracious of all blessings, a fuller enlightenment as to their duty, to those I beg to say, think of what is suggested in this appeal. End of section 12